With 231 days until the midterm election, we have a lot of ground to cover today, including Ukraine, some fun listener mail that raised some eyebrows on Facebook. Kurt will talk about that probably some. Uh, and why this midterm election is so important. All of that on our latest episode of Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, welcome back for another exciting episode. I am Dale Carter. He is Kurt Wheeler, and we solve all of the world's problems, and we do it in less than an hour most weeks. Yes, that is correct. All, all of the problems, every single one. If they just listen to us. Yeah, I know. And more and more people are doing it. They can get this podcast any number of ways, and you know all the ways they can get it. Yep. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Uh, if you're not, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, you can just YouTube search Dale Carter's America or Google search Dale Carter's America. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay. I, I think there's a break coming in this whole Ukraine thing, the way I'm following it, because Zelensky has gone from begging the world for air cover and airplanes and things like that to now I guess he's going to sit down with Putin. They're going to have a face-to-face. -face. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think they should have been doing that from the beginning, to be honest. But Well, it looks like it's going to happen that yeah. way. So here's my question. So if the world doesn't really care that Russia invaded Ukraine, why would they care if we decided after all these years we didn't like having a communist country 50 miles off the coast of Florida and we invaded um, Cuba? What would Russia do? Well, Russia would probably do nothing. <laughs> Well, then we should do it. I mean, because it's a really cool island. Yeah. And back in the day, I mean, it had the greatest casinos in the world. Well, you know, Trump, uh, I don't know, tongue in cheek, I guess, but t Trump talked about buying or invading uh, Greenland. So maybe we could do that, too, while we're at it. Well, you know, I I've flown over Greenland. Yeah. It's not, not that, so much. It's not that exciting. No, Cuba's it's, probably nicer than Greenland. Absolutely. <laughs> Greenland is like a big snow chunk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always heard it put this way. You know, Greenland is white. And Iceland is green. Right. They, they got the names backward. Yeah. I don't yep. know what they were thinking back then. They were probably drinking at the time they named the countries. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Greenland is not green. I can it's assure you. a bunch you. of drunk Vikings or something. <laughs> so uh, Joe Biden is heading to uh, Poland. Insert oh. your own joke there. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Problems are all going to be solved. I just, you know, and it seems like on the podcast we bag on Joey a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked Joe Biden. I thought Joe Biden back in the day in the Senate was kind of the guy that you'd want to go have a beer with, ride the train back and forth to Delaware. He's not the same Joe Biden. I saw him get off of Marine One on his way back from Delaware last night, and he looks like Tim Conway in the bit from the old Carol Burnett show, mm -hmm. The Old Man Walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got the old man walk. Yeah. yeah so, he, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe he had it more together, you know, back in previous decades, but uh, just – don't let him near your kids. That's he's all never, I'll say. He's never really stood for anything. You know? Yeah. He was always the guy that if you had the compelling argument, you could get him on your side, Republican or Democrat. Um, just never really stood for anything. Yeah. And he's never really led anything, which we've talked about a lot. Right. Okay. So um, Russia's President Vladimir Putin's spokesman says that uh, Biden has personally insulted Putin by calling him a war criminal, a murderous dictator, and a thug. You know, we dealt with thug and the definition of all that. Um, I got no problem with him calling him all those things. Do you? 
No, I mean, I have no problem with it, but it it, it is pretty weak coming from Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it holds no uh, sting to it whatsoever. I mean, if I was Putin, I'd be laughing at him, which yeah. I'm sure he is. Well, Dmitry Peskov, that's the spokesman, said that Biden's irritability, fatigue, and forgetfulness lead to aggressive statements. We've seen that, and we've talked about that. I mean, he goes to angry old man just like that. Right, right. I mean, right. out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, you know, somebody will slap the table. So it's angry old man, and it's whispering, man, yeah. Yeah. we're going to win. He probably said it like this. He's like, Putin, yeah, Vladimir Putin. Not, not, not Vladimir. He's, he's, he's a war criminal. A war criminal! <laughs> Peskov said the Kremlin is not going to make uh, harsh assessments so as not to cause more aggression. So there you go, Joey. Uh, that's an opportunity for you. We could take Cuba. No more aggressiveness coming from uh, the uh, Russians or the Soviets or whatever. Um, uh, he had a call with the uh, president of China, and now everybody's asking for the transcripts. It's interesting the difference between Trump and Biden in terms of the media. Yeah. Because when Trump had a call with anybody, mainstream media was like, we need to see the transcript right. immediately. Right. Well, there's no transcript of the call with China. God knows what he said to the president of China. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I would uh, have to assume not very much. But but yeah, I mean, the, the media coverage is totally biased, as you point out. I mean, we just had, I don't know if this is on your list or not, but we just had confirmed by the New York Times after all this time that the Hunter Biden laptop was a real thing. Right. You know, and that story was not only called fake news and whatever, but it was suppressed on social media like weeks in the weeks leading up to the election. You could get banned or, or shadow banned or have your post removed for talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, which had real, uh, you know, consequences for the election because it was it was insinuating that through Ukraine and China and other places that they were making corrupt money. The Bidens were making corrupt money, right. you know, from this energy deal, from uh, working with all these Chinese companies, kicking it up to the big man, you know, and all these things. And uh, so, yeah, and that's course. being investigated. There is an ongoing investigation with that. And if it turns up anything, you know, I, I hope it uh, takes care of whoever needs to be taken care of. I don't think anything's going to come out. You don't think anything will come of it? No. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah, but the, the New York Times put the story in the paper. So now they, who ignored it for so long and basically got the New York Post banned from social media yeah. because they were the ones who were covering the story. Uh, and now it's it's like, yeah, that that's a thing. So we'll see where that goes from here. Um, there was an interesting poll taken on fight or flight, you know, the fight or flight reflex that Mm -hmm. we all have, right? Mm -hmm. And the question was, if a similar invasion that's going on over in Ukraine happened in the United States, would you stay and fight and defend, or would you run? And I'm not even really sure where you'd run to. Maybe Canada? (laughs) I I don't know. Um, And the interesting thing about it is, the younger you are and the more liberal you are, the chances are you would run. Mm-hmm. The more conservative or older you are, the chances in this poll that said you would stay and fight. What would you do? I'd fight. You know, uh, I've, I've joked about this before because my home in, in Blue Springs, I'm sure if you go back far enough, was Native American land, mm-hmm. Indian land, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and I'm not giving it back. Right. I don't give a shit. I mean, I've owned <laughs> right. it for 20 years, and, and I'm keeping it. It's mine. I'm not going to give it back. Um, and, and I would stay and fight because I love this country. I mean, is that wrong? Is that is that a bad thing? No, no, of course. I think that's that's noble. I mean, I don't know. 
you know, I guess I, I question what parts of our culture and our country are, are worth fighting for. You know, that's the, that's the only thing that I struggle with. But I certainly would fight for, you know, my family, my property, um, my community, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So I, I think it just depends on, like, I was, we talked about this briefly earlier, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to go fight for New York City or something yeah. like that. But, you know, if, if it's a, really a situation where there's, like, an invading force in America and they're, you know, plowing through – uh, Jackson County, Missouri, then yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, the, the poll didn't get into geographic differences. It just dealt with, um, um, demographics like right. younger, older Republican right. or Democrat, liberal or conservative. Uh, but I suspect that if an invasion happened from China on the left coast and Russia on the East coast, that they might get a little ground oh, yeah. on the left and the East Coast. But as you get closer to the center of the country, I think it'd be a tough putt. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I mean, it's it's obviously all hypothetical. I don't think that's very realistically going to happen. But who knows, man? I mean, the the future is so unpredictable. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, makes you want to go back and watch uh, Patrick Swayze in Red Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? I saw it a long time there ago. There was a remake of it that wasn't nearly as good. If you, if you want to well, watch it, watch the beat, original. Can't beat Swayze, man. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, he defended this country. Okay. He turned back the Russian well, we invasion. We just need to call up Patrick Swayze, yeah. send him to Ukraine. Yeah. Well, this is not hypothetical. I was watching the uh, NCAA basketball tournament. I love March Madness. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm one of those guys, I don't follow it all year long. Right. I don't even do a bracket anymore because I don't care about that. What I'm looking for is the Cinderella story, you know, and, and we have one of those with uh, St. Peter's. They took out the University of Kentucky. They took out Murray State. And, and now they're playing for a chance to go to the Elite Eight. They'd never been in the Sweet 16 before. But one of the things I noticed when watching the game, you know, they, they've got like the scorer's table between the benches, and they put advertisements on there, right? Mm-hmm. And in one particular game, they're crowing about it's the 50th anniversary of Title IX. So what does that mean? 1972 would have been when Title IX was you know, enacted mm-hmm. and turned into law. Title IX, in case you don't know, basically set up women's athletics as a thing. You know, uh, And now in the wake of that, the 50th anniversary of Title IX, now we've got a biological male shredding the uh, women's swimming records. Yeah. Although he did lose one. Yeah, he won the 500 meter and then he lost a bunch of the other ones. So. Yeah. So, and I'm going to say he, where if you looked in the, um, in, in the coverage, like in the New York Times and places like that, they refer to that person as her, mm-hmm. her and she. Yeah. Because in this era of science, when, you know, we've been indoctrinated that if you're gay, you're gay from birth. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a scientific thing. Whether you believe that or not, I mean, that's what they've been preaching all these years. But now science takes a back seat to you can be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the science of your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you be? If, if you could be anything that you're not, what would you be? You ever thought about that? It's kind of like the what kind of superhero would you be question, right? Yeah. It's like, does that count? Can I have superpowers? Or sure. do I have to pick something that is actually I think that possible? it's, you know, whatever you want to be. Just, just once you claim it, it's real. And that's how we have to address you moving forward. I think I'd probably be like a lion Would or you? like a like an eagle or something, maybe. You'd be a bird. See, if you were a bird, we couldn't be friends because I'm terrified of birds. Even eagles? You don't like eagles? I, I like them from afar. 
But okay. you know, when I was a I was kid, say because if you don't like eagles, that makes you kind of a commie. I think. Did we talk about my bird fear and why and where it all came from? No, let's hear let's hear the story. Okay, so when I was a little kid, my um, family had a farm in Spencer County, Indiana, and my brother and I, you know, we were the city boys. Um, my cousins from the farm thought it'd be really funny to lock us in the chicken coop, and so that's a true story. And so they did that. And I started screaming my head off. And you can imagine what all these chickens did, right? Right. Just went crazy. <laughs> that was the same year that Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds came out. One of my favorite movies, top top 10 for sure. And my parents thought it'd be really cool to take us to the drive-in and see that movie. I was very young. Right. Okay. So from that point on, it's like I, I'm terrified of birds. Yeah. It's to the point, Kurt, that when I'm driving – and I hope Bob Watson, my State Farm agent, isn't listening to. The, he listens to the podcast. Uh, but if I'm in the safety of my car and a bird is flying across, I will swerve to get wow. out of the way of the bird. Wow, I don't know what to say. It's a true thing. I mean, that is a great movie, though. The Birds is a good. Can you can, have you watched it since then, or are you like too scared to even? Watch I can't. It? I can't go anywhere near it. You know, and as long as I see it, like if I saw an eagle outside my house and I was inside in the security and looking through the glass, that would be cool. Yeah. I'd like that. But man, um, <laughs> when um, back in the day, I'm, I'm definitely going down an off ramp here. Uh, but back in the day, um, when I was in Indiana on the radio, we did this thing called Jock in a Cage, where I would spend like a weekend in the zoo, mm-hmm. right, trying to raise money for the for the next animal they were trying to get. And when they were trying to get a kangaroo to go with to mate with the kangaroo that they had, I was going to all these grade schools and doing presentations, trying to get the kids to go out and raise money and all that. And I went to I'll never forget this Lincoln Elementary School in Evansville, and they they would typically have uh, someone from the zoo to run the movie, and they would have a volunteer who had the animal. Okay. Oh, so they brought the animals to the yeah. School. They brought the animals yeah. to the you know, and then I was there talking about what I was going to be doing. Well, at Lincoln Elementary, the volunteer didn't show up, and they had a blue macaw. <laughs> Do you know what a blue macaw is? Yeah. Okay. For our YouTube viewers, a blue macaw is about that tall. Yeah. Right? And It's kind of like a toucan-looking thing or something like that. They're, they're ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like the big beak. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he said, the guy from the zoo, there's this pole. I want you to hold it, and the bird's going to, like, perch on it. And that way you can hold it up so the kids can see it, right? So I'm terrified, terrified, Kurt. Think of the thing that scares you the most, and that's where I was. Do you okay. have a thing that scares you the most? Uh, I don't know. My fears are kind of boring. I just have like normal person fears. I'm not like, I'm not really like, uh, you know, irrationally scared of like spiders or snakes mm-hmm. or, you know, birds yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, I'm just scared okay. of the normal things. So back to my story. <laughs> So I'm holding this pole, and I'm all the way on the end, right? And this bird keeps looking at me. And animals sense fear. Right. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, so the bird keeps looking at me, and I'm like over here, and I'm terrified. I'm about to wet myself. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the bird, we're in a big gymnasium. The bird goes, what? <laughs> and I went, shit! <laughs> and threw the pole as far as I could. I don't know what the hell happened to the bird. <laughs> <laughs> you probably killed the bird, man. Yeah. So I don't that's even... like an endangered species or something, probably too. You you could get like in serious trouble for that. The kids thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my bird fear. Why did we go down this off ramp? What are we talking about here? Uh, uh, we were talking about Title oh, Nine. Yeah, if you could be anything, what oh, would you yeah. be? Well, yeah. I wouldn't be a bird. 
Okay. <laughs> All that to say, I wouldn't be a bird. Have we established that? Yeah. Well, yeah. So what would you be, though? I think I'd be really rich. Yeah. Can I just say that I'm really rich? Yeah. Have yeah. everybody refer to me that way? Yeah. And uh, then it happened that I'll be really, really rich. Yeah. yeah no, that, I think that's a good move. Like, uh, Or just, you know claim to be like a, a CEO of a fortune 500 company or something like yeah. that. And then the money will just kind of yeah. flow in, you know, are you, are you familiar with the, uh, the uh, law of attraction? I mean, vaguely, there's a book called the secret Rhonda yeah, Byrne wrote it. Yeah. That's kind of cringe, but yeah, I, I read it and, yeah. and I kind of get it. You know, that the law of attraction really works that, you know, if you, you attract good things or you attract bad things. Right. I don't know that the good things necessarily, that's a hundred percent lock, but I guarantee you the bad things uh, attraction is a lock. If you go right. around all the time saying my life is terrible, it's awful. Sure. sure. It will be. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. No and doubt. I know people like that. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. 100%. Walk around and go, uh, uh, uh. Well, we can't be like that. No. Even though politically we're kind of in the wilderness right now because we've got grandpa in the White House and majorities in the Senate and the House, uh, we can't be like that. We've got to be positive. We've got to be optimistic. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, and I'm optimistic about about a, a lot of things. It's just I think that two things can be true at the same time. You want to be optimistic, but you also want to be like realistic, right? You want to you want to acknowledge the situation for what it is and don't sugarcoat anything, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of that going on too. And, and that's not doing us any good. Unless you're at CNN or MSNBC, then it's not Joe Biden's fault. Yeah. Then None it's all it sugarcoating. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that coming up. Uh, Sharice Davids is the third district Congress person from uh, Kansas. And um, that is a historically red state, definitely red state. And, and I would say that district is purple because the Southern part of Johnson County, Olathe, um, down in that area, that's definitely going to be red. Mm-hmm. The further north you go into Lenexa, uh, Overland Park, it's going to blue up a little bit. So that's going to be an interesting race to watch. And she is actually running commercials on KFKF, which which I find funny um, because I would say that our audience definitely leans center right. Yep. Definitely not center left. Right. Um, and she's not even center left from what I understand. Are so. we going to play her ad here? We can. All right. Let's drop her ad in here because there's some things I want to talk about. A couple miles to the grocery store, a few more to church, add in the daily commute, errands, shuttling the kids, the miles add up, and the cost does too. Especially as foreign wars and lingering effects of the pandemic jack up the price of gas. Cherise Davis is worried about those costs hurting your family and Kansas businesses. That's why Cherise is calling for a suspension of the federal gas tax, lowering the price of gas by 18 cents per gallon. That's real savings every time you hit the pump. But wealthy politician Amanda Atkins opposes the gas tax holiday, calling it, quote, a gimmick. Those savings may not mean much to Amanda Atkins, but Cherise Davis knows in this economy, every bit helps. I'm Cherise Davis, candidate for Congress, and I approve this message. Paid for by Cherise for Congress. Okay, so... She's touting a gas tax holiday, and then she says her wealthy Republican opponent, Amanda Atkins, calls saving 18 cents a gallon a stunt. Well, it is a stunt. It is, yeah. It is a stunt. 
Uh, and the, and the eighteen cents will, will last what a couple weeks maybe. Or well, something? no, they're they're going to do it through the end of the year because they want to do it through the election. Right, but I'm saying that how long is it going to take for the price of gas to go up eighteen cents? Yeah, well, in the way it's going, that will. Although it is coming down like a cent a day. It's it's a very slow, painful drop in in the price of gasoline again. Mm-hmm. Um, but but things like this, the gas tax holiday, which by the way, I'm not a big tax guy, but that's one tax that is earmarked for fixing our roads, which is something yeah. I think we could all agree on. Yeah, I mean if it's done right, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, so you would take a break from that uh, with the 18 cents a gallon deal, and then when they they talk about releasing. Um, petroleum from the strategic reserve, that's another stunt. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. What they need to do is we need to be energy independent and we need to get back to the things that we were doing. And of course, what they'll tell you is Keystone XL, I mean, yeah, he canceled that, but that wasn't going to be in play until like 2023. Well, that's next year. That so. is next year. What are we waiting for? That is next year. So maybe what we should we start doing yeah, that. Or make it happen. In the words of the late John McCain, who um, some people think was a rhino Republican, we should be drilling right now. I wish I had that drop. I used to have it in the studio, but but he would talk about, you know, he, he finally bought into that, that mm-hmm. we need to be drilling. We need to be energy independent, which we got to that point under Donald Trump. Yep. 100%. And if we get to energy independence... We won't care what's going on in a lot of the world. Yeah, and we shouldn't care what's going on in most of the rest of the world. We won't worry that the president of the United States can't get Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to take his phone call. Yeah. I never thought I would live long enough to see a time when the president of the United States can't get a phone call to anybody. Yeah. They took Donald Trump's phone calls. Yeah, I, I can tell you that much. And, okay, and they and he negotiated peace, you know, between a lot of those countries too. So while Sharice Davids is talking about a gas tax holiday, Colbert and a bunch of other rich liberals tell us to just get over it and buy an electric vehicle. Yeah, just get over it. Yeah. Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over four dollars per gallon. Okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. I'm willing to pay. It's important. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. How much are they? Um, I think a Tesla, I mean, Tesla is, you know, on the higher end, but a Tesla is like 35 to 50K and, and up, depending on the model, I think. So at a time when inflation is at a 40-year high, are people going to run out and buy an electric car? No. No. And and it also just, I mean, we're beating a dead horse here, but it also just goes back to the whole idea of electric cars being like clean energy, which is just BS. I mean, it's just not accurate or true, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think it's a good push for the electric car companies, you know, they're going to keep pushing it because they're going to position themselves as the alternative, you know, look at the price of gas, drive electric, be clean, you know, even though that's not true, but they're going to keep pushing that. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot more people are going to start buying electric. I, I don't think we're going to get to, you know, all electric by 2035 or whatever the, the goal is. And we talked about that last time. They're going to forget about that, you know, by 2030, they'll forget about that. They'll move on to the next thing. And nobody's going to hope, you know, say, hey, remember when you promised, uh, you know, that back yeah. then? So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a slow burn. I'm good with the market leading the way. 
And if they sell us on the fact that an electric vehicle is better, I would go out and buy one. Yeah. Sell me on that. Don't don't sell me on, you know, I'm killing the planet and, you know, we're we're emitting dirty stuff out of our vehicles and you're a horrible person yeah. and all that. Sell me on the benefits of it. It's like anything else in the economy. Sell me on the benefit of it and I'll probably buy one. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Tesla is doing a little bit. I mean, they are very cool. Like I've I've never ridden in one before, but I've been in them before. Yeah. They're very cool. I mean, they go super, super fast. They have like all kinds of customized right. stuff on the inside, the big screen. You know, if right. you're the passenger, you can play games on there and shit. You know, you if can. You're the driver, you can because they have self driving right. models. Yeah, it's self driving. Um, you know, they've got the big sunroof and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So they're cool cars. The, the only thing that I would say about that with Tesla specifically, and I think this applies to some of the other manufacturers as well, but I'm not quite sure is that, you know, they're getting subsidized. Like they get tax credits, like Tesla gets tax credits for every, for every car that they sell. The government putting their finger on the scale. Right. So it's not just the pure, you know, free market that's deciding that people want these cars, you know, and, and, uh, Elon Musk is, is now the richest man in the world. And, and a big part of that is because of government, subsidies, you know, for, for these, uh, electric vehicles, you know, he's getting that money from yeah. the government, a lot of it. So you don't hear about that much in the media. What you hear in the media now is, is that the reason gas prices are so high is because gas companies are raping us. Yeah. That's what you're hearing in the record mainstream profits. Media. Yeah. yeah. They're making record profits. Mm. Okay. So we'll move on from that. Since, as you say, we've been beating a dead horse on that. Uh, we'll move on to hearings today. They start today in the Senate for judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who is Biden's pick to uh, be the next associate justice on the Supreme Court. Um, and a poll is out. Over 50% think that she should probably be confirmed. And and I would go along with that. You know, um, he's the president. He won the election. He's got a majority in the Senate. He should get his pick. And then we should note this, right? You know, this is what happens. Elections have consequences. Barack Obama famously said that. And it's right. It's true. Yeah. Elections have consequences. And I was going to say this later in the episode, but I'll say it here. We've got to decide as a country what we want to be. Do we want to be nanny state from cradle to grave? I mean, some people think that we should. That's the way you should vote. Okay. If you want to be free and have the private sector lead the way, um, you should vote the other way. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but it's just uh – you know, the, the creep only goes in one way, the, the creep of government, the creep of culture, it only goes in one way. Like it's not, I I think it's naive to expect people who are voting for free stuff or voting for their feelings or whatever to just magically flip a switch one day and be like, Oh, I was wrong that whole time. I'm going to, I'm, I don't, I'm going to vote to have my government assistance taken away. I'm going to start voting Republican, you know, and that's just not going to happen without intervention, you know, without, um, without like people being educated, you know, and, and, and told, uh, more or less, you know, how they should vote basically. But, you know, through like education and through outreach and, and grassroots organization and stuff like that, because otherwise it's just going to keep going in that direction, you know, more and more people, you have the younger generation mm -hmm. coming up that are, that are a lot, a lot of them more left wing than ever. And they're going to start raising kids. They're going to start getting into positions of power. So, you know, it's, it should be taken seriously. Private sector again, sell me on it. Sell me on the benefits of living free and the private sector and all that versus 
the government, you know, being my nanny from cradle to grave. Yeah. And, and I think we can make a case for that. And that's why I think this midterm election is going to be so important. We'll get into that coming up here. Uh, but the companion piece to uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson hearings beginning is that Clarence Thomas is in the hospital. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. So um, we're praying for Clarence Thomas uh, because if something happens and he can't continue, that's going to be another pick for Joe Biden. And then all of a sudden, you know, it gets back to 5-4 with Roberts kind of the wobbly wheel there. Right. And Roberts has been kind of showing himself to be more uh, liberal, you know, rewriting a lot of stuff on all, on a lot of things. And Clarence Thomas, I mean, he is uh, he's the goat. He is uh, he is the the OG of the Supreme Court, man. He's the best one as far as I'm concerned. So um, we really need him. Unless you're on the left and then he's um, Uncle Tom. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went through, you know, uh, just for fun, you know, how much I like reading comments on Facebook, but. I went through uh, like MSNBC and NPR comments on the their posts about Clarence Thomas being in the hospital, mm. and you know the let's just say the tolerant left, you know, not so tolerant. Are they cheering and, and hoping that uh, Biden gets another uh, pick out of this? A lot of them are, yeah, yeah. Um, South Carolina joins Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Utah, allowing firing squads now for capital punishment. Hey, all right, what do you think? That's fine. <laughs> I, I really have no problem with that. Well, I mean, you know, they've tried to make it more humane, kind of like putting down a dog. Yeah. Um, but some of these states are going to – I guess you would have the choice if you were convicted of a, crime, a capital crime. I would. I think I would choose firing squad. Would you? Yeah. That's something about it is just more like, you know, you, 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 you think about your legacy, you know what I mean? And you're – you know, you're – Obviously, they're doing this to to terrible people who mm. have been convicted of of terrible crimes. You know, uh, do you would you rather uh, have your have your family say you know you were killed by lethal injection, uh, executed by lethal injection, or executed by firing squad? You know, that sounds more badass. I think I'll go with that. I don't think I'm ever going to have to make that choice because <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I will not be executed for committing a capital crime. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. You still have plenty of life left, though. It's plenty of time. <laughs> a lot of anger brewing, right? <laughs> we'll get to that with our listener uh, slash viewer fan mail, uh, which is coming up here. So it's it's interesting to me that on the uh, Facebook page for Dale Carter's America, the most interaction we've gotten on anything so far um, is this uh, viewer slash listener mail that we got. Uh, take me through it because you interacted with this person. We blocked out her name and her likeness and all that. Oops, I just said a her. Well, but, I, but these I days it could that. be a him. That's true. Yeah, yeah. she she self identified as a woman in her p- Facebook profile. Yeah, you can say that much. She made a lot of comments, and I think she was she thought she was talking to me. Yeah. and not you. And she was talking about the size of my genitals. So <laughs> she was kind of fixated on that. And in the words of Donald Trump, let's just say. Everything's okay down there. <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the the again the tolerant left, you know, they uh so tolerant they they uh really focused on the size of Trump's hands and other appendages for yeah. like many years, but that's a whole other thing. So basically the the story is so uh if you're listening to this or, or watching this, we're starting to do a little bit of limited Facebook advertising. Yeah. And so we're going to be Picking up more on that and and doing other things as well to try and reach a new audience. And so on Facebook, at least the way that we did it for this first one, you can't really target like conservative listeners. And we've had problems with 
some of our other posts just because they've been blocked for, you know, XYZ content or whatever. So we started getting more liberals on Facebook, basically commenting on these posts. So um, they wade into the shallow end of the pool and go, oh my God, these people are conservatives. Right, right. And so the post that this particular post that we were advertising, it had a lot of hateful comments on it. Still does. You can go see it yourself on on the Facebook page at Dale Carter's America. And then this, uh, this one lady, I guess, clicked on it and, and sent us a message. So it was just a long rambling, you know, um, you know, diet tribe about how we're fascists and terrible. Yeah. And, we have, you know, small, uh, you know, what's and, and everything else. Yeah. And I, I we, we kind of talked about it over text and I wanted to post it just cause I thought it was funny. Uh, but I wanted to block out her name because it's, it, it had like an air of like legitimate mental illness potentially. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> could be that as like, well. Yeah. Know, and you know, cause um, any trouble there. <laughs> and I fathered four sons. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got no problems down there. Right, I kind of right. go into the Donald Trump kind of thing there. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking to some advertisers. We're growing this thing. Yeah. This podcast is growing in leaps and bounds uh, due to your efforts. I mean, you've gotten us on all kinds of different platforms. You can find this thing anywhere. Um, and if, if people ask you, they could just Google Dale Carter's America and you're going to find it. But some of the pushback that we've gotten from folks who are thinking about advertising on this is it's like, I can't really make anybody all that mad, you know, I because mm-hmm. I've got a business to run here. So um, I, I thought we would go back to the very beginning of the podcast and, and talk about what this thing is really all about. Because extreme today, you're in the extreme if you defend the Constitution and free market capitalism. That makes you an extremist. Yeah, I mean, it's even simpler than that because the in my opinion, which I've talked about this before, we're dealing with cultural issues, not necessarily political issues. I mean, we're dealing with both, but uh, politics is downstream of the culture. And, you know, when you have things like men being pushed into women's sports, uh, children being indoctrinated into radical gender ideology, radical racial theories, um, the militarization of COVID to suppress the the will of the people and and emotionally manipulate the people and even something as simple as i'll I'll put the meme up uh but you know like the nuclear family like demonizing the nuclear family demonizing uh what was normal in american society for our entire history has now become like right-wing extremism or you know uh whatever and you got the media as a partner in it yeah so it's just a shifting of the of the Overton window, you know what I mean, uh, so far to the left. And I think that probably what you would agree with is that most of what we talk about is pretty like common sense, normal stuff that would have been considered pretty like mainstream, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Well, and the reason this thing is growing is because not enough people are doing that. Right. Not enough people are talking about the things that, that are true. And so to restate what this podcast is about, uh, we, we started with some founding principles. And the first one is to tell the truth. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty simple, but that's what we're doing here. Um, no name calling. We don't question the other side's patriotism. We call out hypocrisy wherever it exists. We defend the principles of smaller government, strong military, reasonable legal immigration, law and order, and a market-driven capitalistic economy, and we put America first. 100%. What's wrong with any of that? Why is that extreme? I think the first and the last are the most important, the telling the truth and putting America first. You know, those are 
that's what we should all be doing, and that's certainly what our, our elected leaders should be doing. Yeah. Our biggest disagreement with the left, I mean, weigh in on this, but but my view on it is our biggest disagreement is the way forward for the country and the role of the federal government in that future. They look at our Constitution as an impediment, and that's why they want Katanji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court, and they would love for Biden to be able to nominate more. They want to pack the court to to get this 6-3 thing going the other way with, with as many justices as it will take, because if they can't get their agenda through Congress, they want the Supreme Court to make it out of a whole cloth. Yeah. That's what they want. So the Constitution to them is an impediment. To us, it's a guarantee that the government's not going to overreach. To them, it's an impediment in their way of the government overreaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just go back to what I said before. I, I think I think the culture is upstream of, of the politics. And what the left is doing, in my opinion, is is way more than just trying to get rid of the Constitution or demonize, you know, uh, traditional American politics or anything like that. It's like very fundamental things like they're trying to redefine history they're trying to redefine the idea of america as good as inherently good they're trying to redefine men and women they're trying to redefine race relations they're like i said they're trying to go after the kids you know and like that's the stuff to me that really matters that's the stuff to me that we have to fight on and tell the truth on in order to have any you know, hope of, of, uh, salvaging this for the future and, yeah. and the, the constitution and all that is great. But you know, the, the founding fathers said themselves without uh, a virtuous people, the constitution or any other system of government is, is not going to work. Yeah. So that's well, what we need. And Ronald Reagan said that we're always just one generation away from losing all of this. Yeah. And, uh, I, I worry about that. I really do. Uh, I think America is a great country. It's an exceptional country and the constitution is a reason why it's an exceptional country, why this experiment has gone on as long as it has. I mean, think about republics in the history of the world. Um, their shelf life is about two, 300 years. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up on that here. Yeah. And will we continue as a representative republic or, you know, will we go a different direction? Will we go the Soviet method where you've got five-year plans and you've got central planning going on and the government, you know, controlling all aspects of the private sector? Or will we go the other way and be continue to be a free country? I mean, we're, we're at a crossroads. And, and I hate to use that because it gets overused. Right. Every election. This right. is the most important election in the history of the country. Right. This one might be. Well, I think, you know, I, I had done some thinking on this, that specifically, how politicians always say this is the most important election ever. And I think in a way, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm 29 years old. You know, I can only speak for my own time on this earth. Mm -hmm. I can look through the lens of history and, and see, you know, what I think things might have been like in, in previous uh, decades or whatever. But I don't know for sure, but certainly in the past two, three, four election cycles, from from my point of view, they each have been the most important election, you know, because things are getting progressively crazier, you know, you could say, and, and our, our country is uh, falling apart, coming apart at the seams, you know, slowly over the past two, three elections. So I think it, it's not a stretch to say that it's the most important election. Well, I wanted to talk about why this midterm is so important. It's why I start every podcast with how many days away we are and why it's so important. And, and I know it's sometimes in the back of your mind, you're like, boy, you're hanging a lot on 
one midterm election. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I would start with what won't change. What won't change with a Republican wave is that Democrats will hold the White House until at least January 20th of 2025, mm-hmm. which is a long way off. Think about that. Um, but what it will do is end Biden's insane spending that has led to the highest inflation in 40 years. It will pause the extreme left's Green New Deal. It'll put a pin in all of that. Um, And Congress, because nature abhors a vacuum. You've heard that before, right? Mm -hmm. We have a vacuum right now. We have gone from a country where Congress was the preeminent body and you had a president over here whose role really was to execute the laws that Congress passed. Okay, and now we've gone completely, and it probably started, we've talked about this before, probably with FDR, a lot of overreach by the executive branch, uh, putting in departments and, and uh, different things that never existed before. Right. So the executive is way more powerful. But now we've got the weakest executive, gosh, I mean, he makes Jimmy Carter look like Ronald Reagan. Uh, he is the weakest executive we've had since that overreach by FDR. So nature abhors a vacuum. So now that Article One power of Congress is starting to assert itself. And we're seeing that in the Senate. I mean, the Senate, um, they, they passed a bill um, to make airplane travel mask-free, right? Uh, and, of course, the White House's reaction to that was it won't pass the House and the president will veto it. So that may happen. Daylight savings time. Doing away with daylight savings time. The Senate, on their initiative, passed it on a voice vote. Mm. So without objection. <laughs> they, they, so that may well happen. And again, that's Congress asserting itself in a way that it hasn't in a while. And when we broke down the Constitution early in this podcast, we talked about Article One being the most important power in the Constitution and Congress being the most important body, and now you're seeing them assert themselves. And I think with a Republican majority in both houses, you're going to see that a lot more. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I again, I just go back to the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, to, to state first, you know, everyone needs to go vote in the midterm. Vote for your, you know, choice uh, candidates. You know, probably for most people it would be a conservative candidate, you know, in your district. Uh, or for senator for whatever else that is extremely important and you're right on everything like that that you just said but you know at the end of the day the midterm election is that going to change uh who's in control of the media is it going to change who's in control over educating our children is it going to change who's in control over pop culture and music and where people get their information are people going to stop watching stephen colbert for their news if Republicans I don't think a lot of people watch Stephen Colbert anymore. And honestly, I think that we share some responsibility in this by growing this podcast. Yeah. So you who are watching on YouTube or listening, however you're getting it, if you will spread the word and we get from thousands of people who are listening every week to millions who are listening every week, we can start to turn that corner. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's almost in some ways more important. Like, you know, uh, and you've done this, you've ran for office, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's important. It's it's very important for to have good local representation, you know, and people need to get more involved in, in local politics. You know, I just went to the uh, Jackson County We the People mm-hmm. meeting a couple weeks ago, and that was mo- most of what they talked about because it, the election is coming up at the beginning of next month, and they had local candidates and, and things like that, and it was great. People need to be more involved in, in local elections and, and local politics. 
But then the other side of the coin is like, I think what we're doing is, is very important. And, and, you know, there is a, a growing, uh, conservative, like media alternative scene out there. And there's some really great people in it. And I think that that's going to, in some ways have more influence than just winning elections, you know, because it's actually going to influence the culture and it's going to, Mm -hmm. uh, get people to start acting and thinking differently. It's going to get, give people courage, you know, to feel that they're not alone in the way that they think and the way that they act and, and, uh, and to spread that message to other people and, and really like make real change from the bottom up as opposed to from the top down. Yeah. One of my core tenets about politics and government is that government is best practiced at the local level, mm-hmm. closest to the problem, whether it's your city council, county legislature, you know, your governor for your state. And what the left believes is that all the answers are coming out of Washington, D.C., and that's where we've gotten off course in this country. And and that's and, and what saddens me is we have a local election coming up first Tuesday in April, municipal elections on the Missouri side. And the number of people who will actually go vote for city councilmen, school board members, it's it, it would it just it's so small it's not even yeah. worth talking about. I can tell you that when I ran for city council in Blue Springs, Blue Springs is a city of fifty two thousand. So it's split into three districts, so 52,000 divided by three, whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. I'm not a math guy. Okay. Um, my road to victory was to go to the 100% voting households, okay, right. and talk to them and convince them. I'm doing the math right now. Okay. okay. Do you know how many households that was in the first district of Blue Springs? How many? Take a guess. 100% so voters. Out, this is out of the one-third of 52,000. Mm-hmm. So that's 17,333 people. So right. how many households do you think fall into the 100% voter category? I'm going to guess like 150. 100. 100, yeah. Yeah. So by going to 100 households, I won the election. Right. That's That's terrible. You yeah. know, but when Donald Trump ran for president, same voting place that I always go to, it took me two hours to vote. Yeah. And the impact that a president has on you, although this one's had pretty much of a negative impact in terms of inflation and, and everything else going on, um, but your city council and your mayor and your school board has a lot more impact on your everyday life than what's going on in Washington, D.C. At least that's the way it should be. Well, here's the the silver lining. I think the the glass half full uh, outlook on this is that that just makes it easier for genuine conservative or right wing candidates to like win and and make real change at the local level. I mean, if all you have to do is go knock on a hundred doors, I mean, that's obviously I'm not I'm not trying to uh, you know delegitimize that or whatever you would say, but uh, if people are able to do that, you know, who are, who are good candidates and, and go get those 100% voting households. You don't really have to get that many votes. And then all of a sudden you can start making change at the, at the local level, you know, so it kind of goes both ways. And yeah. I think, uh, this is just a hunch. I don't know the numbers on this, but I would imagine that, you know, a lot of, uh, households that vote 100% of the time in the local elections may lean you know, a little bit more conservative than, than the general population. I think that's accurate. That, that's just a hunch, yeah. but I mean, it seems, seems right. So I don't All know. All right. I'm going to say this before we have our little kicker story. We have another Star Trek kicker. 
I think it'll be I think the last one. Three weeks it in a row. It is three, but this will, <laughs> these things come in threes, right? Yeah. Things happen in threes. Uh, but before we get to that, I'm going to restate this because I think this is so important that America really needs to decide. That's what this midterm is going to be about. What kind of government do you want moving forward? Cradle to grave nanny state in a country that isn't energy independent without secure borders and a Supreme Court that makes it up as they go along? Or do you want freedom, security, and energy independence? And, and I think it's important, and we've talked about this before too, it's not like a sporting event where you got these guys over here with the blue jerseys and these guys over here with the red jerseys, and we only like the blue jersey guys because we like blue. We only like the red jersey guys because we like the red jerseys. Find out what they stand for, what they want to do. And uh, the, the commercial we played from Sharice David says it all. You know, right. She's basically saying that you know, you're rich and out of touch if you don't think uh, that the best thing they, they can do right now is do away with the gas tax through the end of the year. Right. It is a stunt. Okay, moving on. Star Trek. So, <laughs> and I've been bagging on this for a while because it, this is my outlet, right? Yeah, I mean, you're still watching it, so I don't know. I don't think I'm going to have to because I, they had their finale, and I think this is going to be an experiment that is going to go away uh, because we talked about Star Trek Discovery. That's one of the many Star Trek um, series that's going on right now and, and how I started to notice that there were no white male heterosexuals mm -hmm. in that universe. Right. They just weren't. Every time you turned around, it's like, okay, um, and I, I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, um, they have a black female captain of the ship. Her love interest is a black guy. Um, and you've got um, a gay doctor with another gay doctor. And you've got trans people running all over the place. And anyone who is a white male is portrayed as an alien. Right. Okay. And gay aliens. We established And there are gay aliens, too. Week. Right. Okay. So the finale, the wokest trek of all, and my biggest eye roll. Are, are you going to lay the clip here? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. All right. So I want to set up the clip for you, because uh, despite all of the sexual tension between the not heterosexuals on this thing in every episode, every episode, okay, um... Uh, they still managed to overcome the aliens and save the galaxy, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And so Earth was in the crosshairs, and they saved the galaxy just before Earth could be destroyed because, you know, we're Earthlings, mm -hmm. and that you know, that's important. Um, so they're on the ship, and the shuttle is coming up from Earth, the United Earth president, and the shuttle lands in the shuttle bay, the doors open, and I'm thinking as the doors open, I guarantee you this will not be a white heterosexual male. And boy, was I, uh, I number one, I, uh, it was it was like the biggest eye roll moment in my life, I think, <laughs> relative to Star Trek. Okay, so let's roll the clip. The Federation is continuing to help impacted worlds recover. Many have since joined us. Their perspectives are helping us all see more clearly. Navarre is back. Teller Prime never left, and Doria is now in talks, and today, we greet the President of United Earth. Madam President. Madam President. Welcome. I am so pleased that you've come. We are eager to begin diplomatic discussions. Nothing to discuss. United Earth is ready right now to rejoin the Federation. And nothing could make me happier than to say those words. Thank you. Thank you all. 
So, Stacey Abrams, you know, the person who could not win the election in Georgia, although that was a rigged election, according to her, and yep. she really did win. She is really the governor of Georgia. Right. Um, she is the one portrayed as the uh, president of United Earth. Yeah. The, the Democrats are never in favor of questioning any elections unless they lose, in which case they're in favor of questioning every election. Yeah. So now the fake governor of Georgia is the uh, president of Earth. Right. President of <laughs> United Earth. And after I got over that eye roll and my eyes came back down to where they normally are looking forward. Um, by I, that time, the scene was probably over, right? By the time your yeah. eyes returned back to their normal yeah. position. And of course, everybody on the deck is like, in awe because it's Stacey Abrams. And there's another show that I, I watch, but I, I'm, I'm stopping it too because of its liberal bent. Uh, Billions on Showtime, which used to be a really good show and now has gone so far on the other side. It's about capitalism and making money in the market and all that, and it focuses on billionaires. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who's running the big capitalistic firm right now has a giant mural of Stacey Abrams in the office. <laughs> they walk past the elevator and there's Stacey Abrams. I mean, you know, so it's like, I, I, I just can't handle this anymore. So the caddy thought that I had, and I'm going to leave you with this. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. Is 900 years in the future, they couldn't fix her teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God, there's still a gap between her teeth. Yeah. And they haven't figured out the whole weight loss thing either well we figured it out it's called slim for life right and i am a model of slim for life all you have to do is look at old pictures of me and you'll see what a difference it makes so uh, what does that say about 900 years in the future she can't even use some slim for life i don't know but uh, you know the the viewer who wrote in that you got into the big back and forth uh, mm-hmm. you know she again she thought she was talking to me so she made some fat jokes and small penis jokes and we, we should clarify this one more time i know we've done it many times but on the facebook page specifically if there's a K in front of the post, it's <laughs> you me. did it. <laughs> if there's a DC in front of the post, it's Dale. Yeah. So that's kind of the shorthand for how we do it on Facebook, but you can find us pretty much everywhere. And uh, boy, another episode under our belts. This is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to Dale Carter's America at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.